Hey, everybody, welcome to a very special episode of Conspiracy the Show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? Hey, I'm Olivia Hydar. I think that makes us your hosts. Olivia, how's I, it going? Uh, you know, go, go pretty good on like a weird jag. Like, I feel like hyped up, you know, like my energy is like through the roof because I just watched so much 24 <laughs> within the last 24 hours. It was my own personal 24. I'm very excited to talk about what we're talking about. This week, because we very briefly mentioned 24 on this week's episode of Unpopular Opinion. Yeah. In that the makers of 24 should be held accountable for their crimes against the military. I don't even know how to put it. Uh, Who are the victims of 24 besides Muslims and anyone who is trying to conduct warfare in a quote-unquote ethical manner. Right. Yeah, I think Muslims, and to a secondary extent, all Arabs and Middle Eastern peoples uh, are the the real victims of 24, followed closely by the last shreds of military ethics in the United States. Yeah, this is a thing I hadn't thought about much recently, the Mm. TV show 24, until we briefly mentioned it. On the episode of Unpopular Opinion, and then an article came out like minutes after we recorded that episode. Yeah. Where Kiefer Sutherland was talking about, hey, maybe we should bring 24 back. And, oh, I don't know. I think (laughs) maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, I know we shouldn't. I think it's a bad idea. I think the previous attempts to do this have proven that it was a bad idea. 24 to me, I know these aren't direct comparisons, so don't make it seem like I'm directly equating these things, but 24 (laughs) has taken on kind of a birth of the nation Mm. feel. Yeah. Where for a long time, people viewed birth of a nation as this achievement in filmmaking. And then there was this whole other part of the country that was like, yeah, but you get what that movie's about, right? Right. Like there are... I get that they did some cool filmmaking things, but there are some problems with that movie. And eventually (laughs) people came around. And I feel like 24 is sort of in that same vein where to this day, people will be like, yeah, but it was such a good show. Like it was very well written. The cinematography, like one of the articles will link to it literally says, Well, what's lost in all of the torture debate is how great the cinematography was. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, because it was glamorizing torture. So the cinematography doesn't matter. And also the cinematography isn't that good. Yeah, it's really not. Uh, Like, look, like I said, I watched a lot of this show over the last 24 hours. Another article rightfully points out that we thought this show was great before, like, The Wire existed. Right. This was really the last great network TV or last. No, 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 no. The Good Wife, which was legitimately (laughs) was the last great network TV show. Fuck you. Okay, the Good Wife is so good. I will fly to Indiana. No, no, no. I've heard. I I, I know that the Good Wife is good. We've we've I I know I need to watch it. But what I the show that I want to bring up, as I am wont to do on many episodes of an Unpops <laughs> podcast, is a little television program called Lost that oh, came yeah, out yeah, yeah, in yeah. 2004, just three years after the first the premiere of 24. But like it feels like it was made 15 years after 24 feels so ugly cinematically and otherwise in comparison to lost which like i just consider that to me is at least for the decade of 2000 to 2010 like as far as network dramas i would say lost the wire and probably breaking bad because 
24 but the y- came so early and it did like it was a cool concept and it did seem really well executed. Sure. But I think they're right that those other shows came so much quicker after that, that when you look at 24 now, not so much, right. not so great. I'm specifically comparing network, like because oh, okay. The Wire yeah, was yeah, HBO, yeah. it had HBO money and Breaking Bad was AMC breaking off of Mad Men and trying to do right. something else. Whereas Lost was on ABC and like it looks a thousand times better than any episode of 24 has ever looked. It just in general. And it also tackles some of the similar themes in a much better way and is way more action packed. But like it's not like Lost versus 24. I'm just like that's kind of my benchmark when I'm thinking about network shows of the era. I don't want to unfairly judge 24, I guess, uh, by like comparing it to things that it couldn't possibly be better than. But also like it's still not as good as its contemporaries. Yeah. And it's interesting that you have basically never watched 24 because it makes a good yeah. counterpoint for me, a person who watched all of 24. <laughs> I watched the shit out of 24. Yeah. But it was almost kind of a bait and switch situation. Like you have to think about how soon after 9-11, 24 premiered. It was weeks yeah. after 9-11. And yeah. there's a reason it was allowed to premiere yeah. That soon after 9-11. And it's because that first season isn't remotely about Middle Eastern terrorists. There's nothing in it aside from a scene in the trailer where a plane explodes in the sky, which they end up editing out of the show. There's nothing. And it's done done by a white woman. Yeah. Like what? Do you, which part? The oh yeah, oh the yeah, plane yeah, 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 blowing up in the actual episode. Like that's one of the episodes I watched, and it's yeah, a white the, woman who blows the, up the plane. Yeah, spoiler alert. But yeah, the main terrorist yeah, in the first season is a white woman, and yeah. so even though it was so fresh off of nine eleven, it didn't feel like a reference to nine eleven. It just felt right. like a show about terrorism. Like all the terrorists were tied to fucking Slobodan Milosevic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is the thing. It, it feels like it, cause it was made pre nine 11. It really right. feels like the last pre nine 11 action movie in a way. Like it really has that vibe of and all was, the terrorist stories pre 9/11. And the thing about the first season is it's good. Like at least yeah. In, it's fine. Like at the time, yeah. The concept was neat. Like the idea right. of 24 episodes of a show that cover mm-hmm. each hour of one day. Like yeah. That was the whole idea at first. They initially planned this as a rom-com and then eventually <laughs> landed on a right. terrorism drama, but it didn't have any of that 9-11 stink on it in that first right. season. So it felt fine watching Jack Bauer torture Slobodan <laughs> Milosevic's people. Like, right. and in that context, you could take it as, well, this is just a TV show. But once sure. they make that pivot in season two to where, okay, well, yeah. 9-11 has happened and now this is all about fighting Middle Eastern terrorists. The show just got weird and gross after that. Yeah. And like progressively so, if no. that's the right word to use for a show that keeps getting <laughs> more and more uncomfortably racist as it goes along. You know, progressively yeah. racist. <laughs> right, of course. If, I mean, like, you know, listening to some of the creative people involved, that's like kind of how they saw their roles is kind yeah. of yeah. Progressively racist. It's interesting. I only watched the pilot of the first season, so I can't judge it like very accurately. But it also seemed like torture was less of a big deal from what I could tell about the first season. It didn't happen as much, maybe. It was more of like a once or twice kind of thing. Yeah, far be it for me to push conspiracy theories, but I feel (laughs) like... There had to be some degree of government cooperation in this show as it goes along. And I have that way at the end of the notes, but YOLO, I guess. (laughs) 
like one of the things you'll read in articles about this show now is that, well, they were like way better political commentators than even the Daily Show. Like they knew what the government was doing. Like they it was almost like they were predicting what the government was going to do next. And it's like this show was a commercial for what the government was going to do yeah. next. Like this show well, <laughs> normalized what the Bush administration was doing doing in response to 9-11 i know it could be a coincidence but it doesn't necessarily have to be like the cia has a hollywood liaison department where they just right consult yeah. on tv shows and movie projects <laughs> that they want to turn out a certain way like they're I, very easily could have been meetings between the right wing fuckstick who made this show and the Bush administration <laughs> about, hey, maybe send the message that we need torture. Well, not only is it a commercial for the Bush administration, it is giving them ideas like literally people in the administration, people working in the military at the time by their own admission. It's giving them ideas. And that in itself is a mind-boggling thing to kind of consider. Yeah, we'll link to some interviews with the various showrunners of this. And at one point, one of them, I think it's Howard Gordon, talks about how they would just have, like, writer's room brainstorming sessions on torture methods. Yeah. Because there's so much torture depicted in this show, they have to get creative with it. Yeah. Like, they can't just... Right do the same thing over and over. My personal favorite, if I can put one forth for nomination, <laughs> there's a scene early in, it might be season one, probably see, maybe season two, but what's special about it, for one thing, he's interrogating a middle-aged white couple who live in mm -hmm. the suburbs, which that's refreshing. And he has the husband and wife tied up. He wants the information from the husband. And... <laughs> He shoots the husband in the knee and the husband's like, listen, dude, you can do whatever the fuck you want to me. I'm not going to tell you a fucking thing. And Jack Bauer right. immediately shoots the wife in the knee next. And let me tell you the LOLs in watching. <laughs> and that had to be like half of this show was just, all right, well, yeah. Okay. Well now we've arrived at the 14th torture scene in this episode. How are we going to make right. it? Like, and by like season five and six, Jack Bauer is cutting people's heads off with hacksaws and like just biting Jesus. jugular veins. And it's like, this show shouldn't have survived past season one. Season one was cool. Right. It either should have stopped after season one out of respect right. for nine 11 or season two should have been the rom-com. They were like, yeah, just like how groundbreaking That's would a good, yeah. that have been if every season tackled a different subject, but in that right. same 24 hour format, that would have been neat. But instead they started bootlicking the Bush administrations. Well, yeah, I, I think the problem said that wrong. I think the problem there is that would require the creator of the show to not be a giant fucking asshole which by all accounts is what joel surnow is it seems like joel surnow howard gordon yeah they, howard they, gordon yeah he at least like he he's one of the guys who kind of sometimes pretends to be not a total like right-wing maniac but like he still is like totally an immoral hollywood caricature it feels a lot like Hannity and Combs. Remember when Sean sure. Hannity used to have a liberal counterpart on his show? I do. I it's do. like, dude, yes. you are still on Fox News. Stop. Yeah. And yep. that's why Combs doesn't have a job now, probably. Like, yeah. He, I, what? I don't even know what happened to him. I haven't heard that name in 85 years. Yeah. Who's hiring Combs after that? I, no way. CNN can't know. hire Combs. Who would? I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. It even without the pivot to this being a pro torture show, it just got stupid. Like, yeah. season two, Jack <laughs> Bauer's daughter, who I believe already got kidnapped season one. Yes. She gets kidnapped again in season two, but also yeah. at one point gets stalked by a cougar, like an actual <laughs> cougar, like the animal. It is one of the most notoriously bad television show writing moments of yeah. all time 
And this show survived for so many years after that. Yeah, that was season two. That's the other thing. (laughs) This show's good for one season, and it makes it till 2010. Yeah. I still feel like there's government involvement. Probably. I I feel like they carried it on into the Obama administration just to make it look good. But it's like... Yeah, right. (laughs) You know what this show was. It was our commercial for how we wanted to torture people. Yeah, I mean, it was extremely popular. Like, for as blatantly right-wing as it is, and, like, watching it now, it just is so right-wing, there was still the very common sentiment among otherwise liberal media professionals, like reporters, people, and, like, People who would do television recaps and that sort of thing uh, in the early days of that, who were just like, yeah, sure, like the torture stuff is kind of gross, but like, it's just so good. It's just, it's so exciting and fun to watch. Yeah, the first big piece of internet content that I ever did that actually attracted an audience was a fake script for an episode of 24 that was just about Jack Bauer eating and going to the bathroom. It's <laughs> and also like getting around LA really quick. <laughs> that was in the first episode, even in Wild, to yeah. see some of the way he like leaves the house and has a phone call and is at like the fucking office within the like three minutes. Like it's insane. This show had no reason to be set in Los Angeles. It's wild. That's a thing they should have fixed immediately because, well, in theory, there should have been several like bottle episodes that were just Jack Bauer dealing with shit from his car in traffic on the four or five, and there was none. Like he would just get places in like ten minutes, and it's like, nope. Does he have a helicopter? You know, there was never a scene where Jack Bauer goes into a gas station and buys Trucker Speed. Yeah, there, you know, there's none of this. That's why they should have changed the entire premise after yeah. season one, because yeah. people got too much time to think about this show. Yeah, like it's a thing that should have <laughs> come and gone. And then now we'd be making these criticisms and people would be like, well, yeah, that's why it was only one season. Right. Of course, it's stupid, but it's good stupid. And it's like, no, this goes on to be dangerous stupid. Very dangerous stupid. The whole and problem. Like, yeah. It, but the the whole thing is that it was so popular. It just made so much money that very few channels would ever cancel a show that did as well as 24. And that's the whole thing. Fox has not stopped trying to bring this shit back. No, it initially made it until 2010. That was when, which even that seems so deep. Yeah. Into the war on terror. We were like three years into hoping Guantanamo would be closed. Yeah. By that point. And 24 is still on the air. Like 24 is Guantanamo, the TV show. Yes. Literally get like people in back in 2002 talk about watching the show and taking ideas for it to Guantanamo. And they brought it back for a 12 episode series called 24 Live Another Day. Bullshit. They should have called it 12. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. How are you going to do 12 episodes of 24? That makes no sense. I mean, like, but you could, you would just have to call it 12. I think I would be fine with it if it was just, if they just titled it 12. Then in 2017, they tried a reboot called 24 Legacy. That did not involve Jack Bauer. It starred Corey Hawkins of guy who played Dre in Straight Outta Compton fame in the lead role. Very good Uh, actor. uh, He's in, uh, he plays Macduff in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. He's he's really good in that. But I can't imagine that show is good. There's no way. I <laughs> I just, I don't buy it. The 24 Legacy, Legacy or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I think I maybe watched an episode, but yeah. it's like by that point, I think a lot of people knew 24. I don't know, unless he was going to come back fighting the Proud Boys. Like, there's right. no way. And even then, I'm not going to normalize the idea of torture, even if we're talking no. about the Proud Boys, because no. then the administration that takes power next will be like, well, you thought it was okay for the Proud Boys. So. Right. 
of we course. Can yeah, no, I would never, I would never, yeah, and would never suggest that. I just, I can't imagine a world where this show still works and they keep fucking trying. Yeah. And even after, like I said, we just talked about it on Unpops briefly. And almost as soon as we finished that episode, this Kiefer Sutherland interview with GQ magazine comes out and he's talking about wanting to give 24 another shot. Here's a quote. I miss it. It was an incredible experience. I have learned that you're just better off not to be definitive about your answer of whether you will do something or not do something. I love playing the character. I do believe the story is unresolved. If something were to be written that made sense to me and that I thought was going to contribute to the franchise, then I would be behind it, even if my participation in that were to be limited. Here's a theory. I don't think Kiefer Sutherland can get any other work right now. Yeah. There is a very famous Freddie Prinze Jr. interview from a few years back. I don't remember what movie he was promoting, but they asked him like something about his worst on set experience. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I did 24 with Kiefer Sutherland. He is <laughs> the most unprofessional person in the world. He also said that is not me talking shit. Anyone who's worked with him will tell you that. Yeah. I think feel like Kiefer Sutherland doesn't have a lot of options. Like, right. I'm sure he's got, like, any actor of his pedigree is going to get jobs. Absolutely. But there's a difference between getting, like, a direct-to-Amazon Prime movie yeah. and a 24 reboot. And I feel like 24 is probably Kiefer Sutherland's last yeah. real inroad to, like, major work. Yeah, I think it's his only piece of cultural cachet at the moment. I don't think The Lost Boys has any sort of potential of that capacity. And other than that, I don't think right now, especially to like generations younger than millennials even, I don't think they know him as anything other than the guy who was Jack Bauer. He is so tied to Jack Bauer that this Variety article that we'll link to, which references the GQ interview. They just fuck up and call him Jack Bauer at one point. <laughs> this is a quote. Bauer told GQ he almost quit the show during its first season when filming was interrupted by the September 11th terrorist attacks. <laughs> that's got to sting. Like, that's got to be like Jaleel White getting called right. Urkel in, oh my God. in an article or something. Yeah, I don't know much about Kiefer Sutherland's reputation as a as like a guy on set, but it doesn't super shock me that he might be a, um, a bit unprofessional. I know he's a big alcoholic. Like, I don't know if he still is. He could be right. in recovery now, but I've never heard any stories about him being in recovery, but I've heard yeah. stories about him jumping into Christmas trees in the lobby I, of hotels. I've heard, yeah, I've heard some of these stories. Too, yeah, yeah. He, he seems like a character. That's sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess Donald kept most of the acting genes, though. He's good in some stuff. Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland's a good actor, and he's good yeah. as Jack Bauer. Yeah. There's a reason the role is as beloved as it is. It's just, you know, not everyone has the politics it, we have. And once you no, remove I mean, that from the equation, oh man, 24 is a wild romp. Such a fun ride. <laughs> like once you don't care about its impact on the world, holy shit, are those torture scenes fun. I see. I, I guess. I don't know. I was trying to view it fairly neutrally as much as I'm able to. And it's fine. I get he is good as Jack Power, but that character is extremely one note. He is oh yeah, emotionally yeah. unfazed by almost everything except for like a few times that he like yells and and like feels bad about something. And that But like then he goes back to making cool rational decisions almost immediately. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We're kind of jumping around the notes here, but at one point, <laughs> the set of 24 is visited 
by U.S. Army Brigadier General Patrick Finnegan. Yes. The Dean of West Point. So the guy in charge of the people who teach our best military people how to be military people shows up at the set with three of the best military and FBI interrogators in all the land and is like, stop it. (laughs) What you are showing on this show is toxic and it is making our jobs way harder. And we'll get into that whole meeting more, but this is a quote from an FBI expert on interrogation techniques because the defense that the showrunners gave to that was, well, yeah, but it's pretty obvious that Jack Bauer is mentally bothered by this (laughs) and like he takes it really hard and they're like, he goes on making completely rational decisions the rest of his day. Like, if he's bothered by this at all, it's barely. Which brings up this quote from Joe Navarro, FBI expert on interrogation techniques. Mm, Yeah. Only a psychopath can torture and be unaffected. You don't want people like that in your organization. They Mm -hmm. are untrustworthy and tend to have grotesque other problems. Yeah. End quote. So it's not just that 24 depicted torture as a thing that worked. Yeah. It's that it depicted it as a thing that worked in a way that impacted the people who in real life had to decide if torture was a thing that worked. Yes. And even when the military came to 24 and was like, will you please stop? They were like, yeah, it's just a TV show. Yep. Anyone knows it's just entertainment. And they're like, Uh, no, we teach the people who need to know that it's just entertainment. And they don't know that it's just entertainment. Will you please stop? And they were still like, no. Like he's talking about his students watching the show religiously and then coming to class and applying the ideas of the show to their lessons, which again are about how to actually be in the military, (laughs) which is wild. And also, Cernow didn't even go to that meeting with, with them. Joel Cernow, he's the other creator of this show. There's three main dudes who created the show. Yeah. Howard Gordon, we will link to an interview with Howard Gordon also. He is, Mm -hmm. he's like the Lennon of the Lennon and McCartney (laughs) duo that created this show. In that he's like the progressive one and like the hip one. But also you're making 24, dude. Yeah, but then that makes Cernow McCartney. I know, I'm uncomfortable (laughs) with it too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess they're the Hannity and Combs. Like, they, I guess, is yeah. And this guy is yeah. Combs in that he's pretending like, oh, no, I'm like the liberal balance. I'm just a showman. Here. Yeah, and I, I just write the show. They tell me what to write, and I just write it. And it's just you know, entertainment. We, no one cares, yeah. baby. We do improv sessions about about torture and all that. It's just showbiz. But then also here's this sort of long quote from that liberal Democrat voice of the 24 universe. (laughs) And this is him talking. This is Howard Gordon talking about writing 24 after 9-11. Yeah. Here we go. Suddenly we were getting to write about this character who had become America's hero, who wasn't just fighting the terrorists, but was really fighting part of, I think, everybody's rage and confusion of how much our institutions had let us down and how much the law enforcement and intelligence apparatus had missed this attack. Jack, cut from the old school cloth of the individual rugged American Mm -hmm. hero who bucks authority and does whatever he needs to do to get the job done and doesn't throw up excuses, was part of the line of Clint Eastwood and Sylvester Stallone And Charles Bronson. It wasn't a character we'd never seen before, but it was Mm. a character we hadn't seen quite that robustly expressed on television. I think we, the writers, really got to unconsciously express our anger at the terrorists and the bureaucracy. I think we wrote him the way people watched him. And with that kind of, I wish this guy existed. I wish I knew somebody like that who just says it like it is and is not afraid of the consequences and to just cut through the bullshit. I think in that way it was cathartic and I think it was cathartic for the audience as well. End quote. And man, I'm glad that someone who just tells it like it is and cuts through the bullshit stuff never manifested in a bad way. 
yeah, in exactly. the United States. Like, he's basically saying, like, you know how Dirty Harry used to just almost indiscriminately kill black people, and then <laughs> we, like, found that entertaining? Yeah. Same thing. Same thing with Charlie yeah. Bauer. Like, it, it, Dirty Harry, like, that's such a... Charles Bronson is such a bad reference to make there. When yeah. the question at hand is how you treat Muslims in your show. He's like, no, yeah. it's just like Dirty Harry. It's, just, it's like George <laughs> Bronson. Like, yeah. Don't you get it? It's like, it yeah. speaks to our fears that, you know, it's like you get Dirty Harry spoke to Americans' fears that like black people were evil. <laughs> That's not, those aren't the fears you should be trying well, to speak to in this show. But also like Dirty Harry was, is like a, Compel like charismatic and compelling character. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. Like I like watching Clint Eastwood play that. I mean, obviously, I recognize you know the the moral flaws. I guess I'm sounding like a 24 watcher, but like at the same time, though, there is still I think a palpable quality difference. If we're talking, you know, when we get into like the later Death Wish movies, then yeah, sure. But like you know, the Dirty Harry movies are like pretty well made for the most part. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're good movies. I I do wonder if there's kind of the same stuff at play there, where it's like I can't get in the heads of the people who wrote the Dirty Harry movies, but I yeah. don't doubt there was this same idea of well, this is what America's worried about that these yeah. black people are just gonna and come kick open the doors of their diners <laughs> and rob everybody, and it's like. Right. I don't. I don't know if that was everyone's fear. I no, I don't know if I don't know. It's very. Yeah. Compl- it's a very complicated comparison for him to make. It, it definitely. It definitely is, and I think also what ha- like what makes the Dirty Harry movies and the like easier to watch now, and is because it we are not as intimately connected to the exact political things that they're playing on like sure racist policing and and these sorts of issues <laughs> i was gonna say you mean police no no, 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 no. that's people. what i'm talking about <laughs> literally like you know the 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 exact fears of like but i don't know there i i get what you're saying because they're like you can't be a cop and watch dirty harry and go yeah that's how it's supposed to be like, right no one's going to buy that argument. Right. But this came down to but, like a actual political debate where people yes. were like, like it ends up getting referenced by fucking Antonin Scalia in a Supreme yeah. Court ruling. Well, I don't know if it was a Supreme Court ruling. No, he was just a fan. Yeah, he was commenting on something and he was like, you know, you wouldn't arrest Jack Bauer for protecting Los Angeles. And right. it's like, dude, that's a TV show. <laughs> what are you talking about? You can't. Bring that into your legal opinion. That is a television show. Yeah. And you find so many examples of people using that reasoning. Like, well, yeah, torture's bad, but just look at 24. Yeah, it gets the job done there. What happens if the bomb is like landing at LAX in 15 minutes? And we don't know if it's landing at LAX or John Wayne or Bob Hope. Like, we're going to have to gouge someone's kneecap out with a grapefruit spoon. To find uh, out where that bomb is landing. Like, and that shit just never happens. No, it's it, not it, it, a terrorism scenario that ever, ever had. Like, yeah. By the time you're that close to getting bombed, you're getting bombed. Like, exactly. had we known about 9 11 eight minutes before it happened, 9 11 yeah. would have happened. And yeah. I mean, that's that's me looking at it through the 24 <laughs> lens. Like we knew about 9-11 like eight months before it happened, probably. Right. But like it's just not a realistic depiction of how terrorism works, but it was treated as such. And that's well, what makes this so much more dangerous of a show than I, I think any other I, show. Yeah, I did love uh, a little bit and talking about that New Yorker piece where they talk about the history of the ticking bomb scenario and they trace it back to this french book from uh 1960 called les centurions which is written during the french occupation of algeria so i find it very interesting that this ticking time bomb scenario is almost exclusively and going back to the beginning associated with arabs and muslims 
I find that very, very interesting. And fiction. Yeah, and fiction. Fiction, obviously, but fiction specifically aimed at inciting violence against Arabs and Muslims. Yeah, and that's where this show's defense of its use of torture falls apart, is because all of the torture is being done in the name of a premise that literally never happens. Yes. And what you'll hear from people who actually engage in trying to fight acts of terrorism, I guess, is that it's way more effective to, like, give someone a postcard to send home and then you, like, you get the address of where their family lives. Like, <laughs> like it's shit like that. It's like building trust and, like, being sneaky. Like, you don't just beat someone with a rubber hose and expect that yeah. they're going to capitulate to your demands. But that's exactly how this show portrayed it. Like, they bring up one scene where Jack Bauer just walks in the room and is like, tell me who you're working for. And the guy says, I'm not going to tell you who I'm working for. And the guy, Jack Bauer, shoots him in the knee. And the guy goes, there's a bomb that's going to go off on a plane in the sky in like 15 (laughs) minutes. And it's like, this dude is that committed to this. And you think shooting him in the knee one time? Right. Like he he was expecting you to go, all right, fine. I wasn't really going to torture you. Will you please just tell me? Like he was ready to be shot in the knee. Like there's no way that's how that shit works. And that's what military people had issue with. Yeah. It's like, it, you're not helping. Like, no. you think you're helping the war on terror and you're making it so much worse. Also, the war on terror is not real. Right. No, of course. Yeah, but they can't say that. But it is interesting. And it's interesting that we've got these military members who are almost, I mean, like, they have experience in interrogation some of them but also they have much more of almost a military historian mindset to them and they're horrified at 24 and then that's compared with everything from people above those guys who are the people that the show 24 portrays as being bureaucratic wussies who can't get anything done like anybody who isn't who's above Jack Bauer, who is one of these guys, one of these like on the ground interrogators, like all the people that the show portrays as being fundamentally flawed by bureaucracy, love the show and make a point of saying it. And like and Cernow laps it up and like I, there's so many quotes where he like this one where he goes like people in the administration love the, love the series, too. It's a patriotic show. They should love it. Like, Jack Bauer is so specifically described as a patriot by so many different people across all of these interviews that we've that we've read. It's wild that that's the defining feature. And it's one of the things that makes me feel like there was some government involvement in this show, because one of the articles we'll link to, it's on Yahoo News. And it's one that comes, I guess, maybe the closest to actually being critical of the legacy of this show. But it points out that at one point there was like a huge government investigation into how we handled things in the Middle East in general, Mm -hmm. and especially with torture and interrogation. And whereas 24 portrays it as all these fucking suits not wanting to get their hands dirty and do what needs to be done to fight terrorism, whereas Jack Bauer was going rogue as a real patriot. Exact opposite. (laughs) The torture stuff was coming down from on high. They were like, hey, how about you maybe put a garden hose down that guy's throat and fucking jizz (laughs) in it or something? We don't know. See if that works. And the people on the ground were like, yeah, I'm just here to get a college degree. Are you fucking kidding me? You want me to do that? Yeah. And I know it's like there's some middle ground there. I'm sure there's some people who are like, well, yes, I will, of course, do that. But it doesn't change the fact that this wasn't rogue military people committing acts of torture. No, no. This was, they were ordered to do this. Yeah, it was administrative policy. And they went along with it to varying degrees of enthusiasm. Yep. But that's not how 24 depicts it. And that is a huge problem. Even if you're like, well, it's just entertainment. Like, when you're talking that political climate and that point in history... To be a show about that, like you got to be exact 
with yeah. those details. And if the military is showing up and if Muslim groups are showing up, there's, I think it was season six that was preceded by a like public service announcement from Jack Bauer where he was like, hey, yeah. hey even though we make it seem to be the case, right. not every Muslim is a terrorist. That's it, just the way we show it on this show. <laughs> it, and then the military <laughs> believes us. But beyond that, it's all fucking fake. It literally sounds like that after school special cliche of like, <laughs> oh, we have fun here. But in reality, not every American Muslim wants to kill you and your family. Yeah. And it's like once you realize you need to run that disclaimer, <laughs> it should end with also this is the last episode of this show. Well, forever. And, you know, Maybe it would have if Joel Cernow wasn't your classic oppressed conservative. That's which true. is totally like his whole vibe is just uh direct quote, it's easier to come out as gay than conservative in Hollywood these days. Yeah, and this uh, was 2007 when conservatives ruled yes. the land. And it's like, are yeah. you sure? Are you sure when we were canceling the Dixie Chicks for saying they were ashamed of being from the same state as George Bush? Yeah. Are you sure it was more dangerous to come out as a conservative when your long-running television show upholding fake conservative ideals? Yeah. Is a massive uh, hit. I love uh, I, I this this excerpt from the New Yorker piece. I really love is uh, Cernow said that he found the Clinton years obnoxious. Hollywood under Clinton, it was like he was their guy. He said he was the yuppie baby boomer narcissist that all of Hollywood related to. Fair. During those years, Cernow recalled he had countless arguments with liberal colleagues some of whom stopped speaking to him. And then I love this quote, quote, my feeling is that the liberals ideas are wrong, he said, but they think I'm evil. And then last year, he contributed $2,000 to the losing campaign of Pennsylvania's hardline Republican Senator Rick Santorum because he liked his position on immigration. His favorite bumper sticker, he said, is except for ending slavery, fascism, Nazism, and communism, war has never solved anything. I wonder mm. what ideas, what liberal ideas that you thought were wrong that might make them think that you're evil. That yeah. I wonder what that would be. Yeah, I can't imagine. It seems like he's just misunderstood. Yeah, you know? no, totally. Yeah, like he's, you know, Republicans, uh, conservatives are the new oppressed class, just like he says. And like, here's the thing. I didn't know all that. No. When I started watching this show in 2001. Yeah. Like the internet was very different. Like the information about who was making this show wasn't as readily available. This New For Yorker sure. article we're talking about comes out in 2007. Like that's right. six years after 24 premiered and a year after it won an Emmy for yeah. best primetime drama. So there were a lot of years where I think even people like myself were like, yeah, but it's just a TV show. Yeah. Like it's not like, it's just entertainment. And it's like, right. they're not always Muslim terrorists. Like <laughs> sure. 50% right. of the terrorists, the first six seasons were Muslim, <laughs> but look it's season seven. And now they're moving on. To <laughs> fighting black people now that Obama's in office. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. But even season two, it started even for me, who I was a fan of the show from an entertainment standpoint. It started to become kind of a hate watch thing sure. because I recognized this was a premise that could not sustain that many seasons. Yeah. And you know that in season two, when Kim Bauer starts getting stalked by a cougar. Right, of course. Like she like she gets kidnapped by an animal. And yeah. that's season two. After yeah. she's already been kidnapped once. And I think she's got two more kidnappings in her future. Yeah. But even then, uh, the show felt entertaining because it felt stupid. Right. But then all these years removed, it's like, oh, that yeah. wasn't stupid. That's why Abu Ghraib happened. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. Like the show shouldn't come back. 
There's no, no reason definitely shouldn't come for back. this show to come back. Like, Absolutely not. No. What new is there to say here? There's nothing. It, not, there was nothing new to say to begin with. The only thing new was the format. It was otherwise the only way the show would have gotten made is if it had a revolutionary or, you know, at least unique for the time gimmick. Otherwise, it's a very boring and cliche action story. And I love in the GQ interview with <laughs> Jack Bauer, he says, <laughs> uh, well, I, I think my story's not finished and that maybe the next season should just involve them rescuing me from like China or wherever I ended up. And it's like, you know, it does sound very much like the United States to intervene in China on your behalf and not the behalf of the millions of Muslims who've been thrown <laughs> in re-education camps. Yeah, and things that's of the realistic. Like. So yeah, maybe, maybe that maybe. is how 24 comes back with us completely ignoring an entire tragedy. Like we should go into Ukraine and just extract Jack Bauer. Sure. And like deal with nothing else. Like oh, blinders boy. on, just get Jack Bauer. Ugh. I, as a devout 24 fan for years and years by like season four, if you look into it, there's a big chorus of people online who by like season four were like, Kill Jack Bauer. Yeah. Like, that is how you fix this show. Kill Jack Bauer. And it yeah. always seemed like it was going to happen and it never happened. Yeah. And that would have, I think, restored a little respectability for this show if they took that turn. Because when those military people showed up, they were like, you know how you fix this show? Show torture backfiring. Yes. Yeah. I like that. No, it's a good that is just a good creative note. Yeah. More than more than anything else. Like talk they just could it, it was just their response is so funny because they just can't even conceive of any narrative that could follow from that, even though it opens up so many new narrative spaces. Yeah. But like they aren't interested in you know, actually being creative. Yeah, like, it's funny that that would pop, like, that kind of a sentiment would pop up starting, like, around season four, because, like, that's around when Lost is out and kind of up in the game as far as narrative interestingness. Yeah, and that, so, that you know. probably did have a lot to do with it. Yeah, me. they were and, competitors in many ways. And also, George Bush... I mean, I guess just because of my age, George Bush is the person who I don't think radicalized me is the right word, but no, but George yeah. Bush is the reason I got into politics. Like the 2000 yeah. election, I was like, well, that's not how that was supposed to go Yes, at yeah. all. And then everything followed from there. But by like when 24 premiered, 9-11 had just happened. And I was yes. like, all right, well, it sucks how George Bush took power, but he's uh, hopefully going to deal with this properly mm. as any respectable American president should. Sure. And so- I liked 24 that first season, but my enjoyment of it waned as my understanding of what the Bush administration was doing. Totally. And it just became a thing. Like, I stuck with it to the end, but it became like The Walking Dead, where eventually right. I was just like hate watching it <laughs> because it made me so mad. But 24 made me mad in like a global <laughs> way. Like, I just hate the I hate the writing on The Walking Dead. <laughs> right, like, yeah. 24 was ruining the world. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, yeah, it was just a commercial for torture. Yeah. I mean, that seemed to be the, that was the vibe that I got from my very basic overview watch that I did over the last day of, I, you know, I watched a couple seasons, uh, like episodes throughout the, the series. Like I watched the, the first season premiere and the second season premiere. And I watched a recap of every season, like a little three minute recap per season. And then uh, we ha we also watched the quote unquote movie 24 Redemption. I was just going to say, speaking of recaps, that is our next episode, our yes. bonus episode. We're going to dive into 
a really interesting moment in 24 history. It's a TV yeah. movie called 24 Redemption. And what's interesting about it is they're not that far removed from winning an Emmy right. for best primetime drama. But also they're at the point where people are like, this show's stupid. Like where yes. this isn't how the world thinks about terrorism anymore. This is irresponsible and dumb. Obama right. is about to get elected. What are you doing? And they're like, all right, what if Jack Bauer starts killing black people next? Yeah. Well, Would you like that better? It, Let's it also, find out. It also seemed like as it got closer to a Democrat being elected, even if they didn't know it was going to be Obama at the time, the show started to lean a lot harder into elements within the federal government are like the high levels of the federal government are the bad guys, like the, a, a cabal, you might say, <laughs> among uh, high ranking government officials up to the White House, up to presidency and vice presidency are maybe the biggest danger that be starts to become a very much bigger element towards 2007 to the house i know weird, weird. I, can't, I don't know why that might be i don't but. know yeah we should investigate <laughs> that further i wonder what the background of the people who made the show is i know yeah yeah let's look at joel sir now oh, oh. nothing comes up Weird. Interesting. Yeah I, Anything. yeah. I remember watching 24 Redemption when it came out. And even then I was like, okay, this is like 24, but boring. I get it. <laughs> like, that's what this is. And then like the whole series follow the, the season seven follows from 24 Redemption, but it's, yeah, it's an interesting point in that show's history where yeah. they were really struggling for a reason to still exist. Yeah. And I feel like they I feel like they threw a knuckleball where they were like, oh, OK, but this year Jack Bauer's protecting black right. children. Right. And it's like, no, He's Jack Bauer is mowing down Africans with a machine save, gun. Right. Saving them lightly is doing. And he's saving 14 children while millions are going to perish for right. sure. But well, yeah, let's check out season seven of 24. And it's, it's also interesting. I, I did want to talk about the Atlantic piece. That was like a retrospective that you yeah. that you sent. Yeah. Where it talks about 24 as being the most influential TV drama of all time. It's nuts because it I, says there isn't even a close second, which is and, insane. And then later on in the article, it says no other drama series has even tried to tell a story in real time. Makes it seem like maybe it wasn't like the most influential series in television history. Because <laughs> you know what show had a lot of people trying to imitate its exact Is it formula? Lost. <laughs> there were a fucking billion Lost ripoffs, and they're like, I can't, they're, I also can't think of another real time show because it's a bad idea. And it's, it's, the it's, problem is calling it the most influential show in history is like calling Kurt Cobain's suicide the most influential suicide in history because there were lots of copycats. Yeah, but that's not good. And the people yeah. who were influenced by 24 were the people who were out fucking torturing people. Exactly. Like, that's not the kind of influence you want right. from a fucking movie. Uh, and like, yeah, Lost <laughs> just made people make their shows weird. Yeah. It, 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 24 it, made soldiers gouge people's right. jugular veins out. Lost revived interest in genre <laughs> elements in TV soap operas. <laughs> That's what and Lost I think is. that article even kind of throws Lost under the bus at one it does, point. It does at one point. But more than that, even, I have to <laughs> highlight this quote. I, I am. This is one of the craziest things. I want to point out, I we have to give credit to Hampton Stevens, a contributing writer to The Atlantic in 2010, wrote this paragraph. <laughs> From day one, pun intended, 24 has had impeccable casting with a litany of hyper-talented guest stars, including Dennis Hopper, Powers Booth, James Cronmel, Anil Kapoor, John Voight, and Kurtwood Smith. And we can't forget Dennis Haysbert. Yet another example of the show's stunning cultural reach 
Haysbert's charismatic, morally unimpeachable President David Palmer helped the American people get comfortable with an African-American as president (laughs) of the United States. If there had never been a 24, it is entirely possible that Barack Obama might not have been elected. An irony surely not lost on the show's staunchly conservative creators. That is amazing. Yeah, 24. 24 did it. That's what got Obama elected. Thank it's you, all- 24, for winning the war on terror and getting Obama elected. It was all him. Wow. That <laughs> article in particular is nuts. There's also a part where, like, I'm going to paraphrase, but he's just straight up like, yeah, people were mad about all the torture, but how about that cinematography? Am I right? <laughs> right. Like, it, it looks so good. And it's yeah. like, like, he literally says, the cinematography is lost in the debate about the torture. And it's like, because that, like, you don't get to go, but it looks so good. It looks great. It looks it, so yeah, nice. And, and also the cinematography looks like Nash Bridges with shaky cam. Yeah, it looks like, like a Fox TV show. It looked terrible. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I should be canceled for watching as much 24 <laughs> as I did. Like, no, I that did. was the thing. Yeah. About like, the Bush administration, though. That's the thing. Like, yeah, it was like we also can't ignore the fact it was like the biggest show on television. Right. Yeah. Like, one of them. This was pre streaming. There weren't as many options like we've been talking about. It was really kind of the dawn of when people were like, oh, TV shows can be something different. Totally. And then it took like six months for us to be like, okay, well, it shouldn't be that. But No, yeah, we should make something interesting. Like, yeah, cool idea, but you turned a corner <laughs> you shouldn't have turned. And then from there, like Breaking Bad and all the, the wire and all right. this other stuff well, happens. Yeah, this is all pre the expansion of cable as a destiny. Yeah. You know, The Sopranos was just beginning the year before. And uh, again, they really did do slip in that first season kind of under the radar. Sure. Because it's, it's not about yeah. Muslim terrorists. It's about it's, Slobodan Milosevic's boys. Right. Coming to kidnap it, Jack Bauer's daughter. And it's like, well, I don't give a shit if that happens. Right. It could very easily have been a, a diehard TV show. Like yeah. it's very similar vibe take on like, you know, the whole diehard to diehard with a vengeance thing. Like, it has a vibe like that, just poorly done. It's interesting that we're covering this this week because also this week on the Unpops Network on one of the bonus podcasts we run, which is called Pod Six, a podcast about the films of Spike Lee. Ooh. We're talking about the 25th hour. Yeah. Which if you read up on the 25th hour, the things people say about it now is mainly what a great 9-11 movie. Yeah. Because it was being filmed when 9-11 happened, just like 24. Right. And those two projects take very divergent paths yeah. when it comes to 9-11. Because Ugh. Spike Lee had this whole script that had been written before he got it. It was based on a book. Mm-hmm. And then 9-11 happens, and he's filming a movie based in New York. And he's like, well, how do I handle this? Do I act like it never happened? Right. Do I exploit it? And he handles it so tastefully. Yeah, I really loved that movie. I haven't I've been wanting to rewatch it. He handles 9/11 really well. In Not that surprisingly. Movie. Like yeah, it's Spike Lee, he's from yeah. New York. Like, <laughs> yeah. Of course, he did a great job with it and people fucking love that movie for it. This is the same thing but in the opposite direction. Right, yeah. 9/11 happened while they were making this movie and they were like, "All right, what do we do next?" I got it. How about we exploit 9-11 for the benefit of the American government and their desire to torture Muslims in the Middle yeah. East? And for our monetary benefit and uh, emotional catharsis in a very bad way. Yeah, this this show, I hope there comes a point in American history where we look back on this show and we're like, we should be ashamed. Like, yeah. Like, what were we thinking allowing this? And I, I don't know that we're going to get to that point but no 24 was bad it was legitimately bad for the world and i hate that i watched it it really is and it's not good also it's like not a good exactly like especially like holding 
I can understand if you were at the time, you know, entrenched in the Bush era and also the t- the television landscape of the time. I can understand being a regular viewer of this, even though even at the time I found it repulsive uh, just from what little that I had seen of it. Here's but, what it is. If you and I think a lot of people were able to do this at the time, if you remove the impact it's having on the world from right. the equation, it plays like a horror movie <laughs> where those torture scenes are the kills. Right. And Jack Bauer is Michael Myers or right, Jason like Voorhees. And instead of him slamming a person filled sleeping bag into a tree, he's shooting a guy's wife in the knee. And you're like, <laughs> oh, holy shit. Did you see what he did? And that is what it was. If you yeah. get deep enough into it. It was also. <laughs> it's all stupid. And then sometimes he'll bite a guy in the neck. And you're like, oh, I didn't know how he was going to escape. But that <laughs> makes sense. He didn't have any other options. Like, and not to harp on these sorts of things. because, But like the whole thing about the torture, like in one of the episodes that I watched, he like walks into a room and uh, he is like, uh, he like, I think he shoots somebody and he's like, I'm going to keep hurting you until you tell me the right answer. Like until you tell me uh, something I can use. And then he hurts him. And then the guy is like, that's it. I've told you everything I know. And he's like, you have, uh, and it, he's like, you have no more useful information for me and then kills him. And it's like, so, so let's look at this just from a, just like step back from like the emotions of either side and look at this from a tactical standpoint we're saying we're going to hurt you until you tell us everything that you know and then we're still going to kill you after you have told us all of the like then where is the actual incentive for someone to be honest with you and i know this might seem like a weird angle to suggest but what if the terrorists are watching this Sure. Because, like, we know how other countries take American media. Like, I guarantee you there were Muslim countries seeing this and being like, oh, yeah. Oh, so this is how it's going to work. Like, yeah, if I tell you what you want to know, you're still going to kill me. Well, then yeah. I'm just not going to tell you like and this. It was like propaganda on both sides that like, yeah, was kind of counterproductive on both sides it like if you happen to be a person who was going to be interrogated and watch this you'd be like all right well i guess i'm just gonna get murdered as quickly as possible well and it turns out that that's something that the experts in that meeting talk about as being like this is just what happened you know think about think about what our idealized version of the america like this happens in Uh, the episode that we're going to talk about, but like whenever we have a story about an American being tortured for information, the heroic American would always rather take whatever punishment you can give and will never break because their resolve is so strong that they could never be convinced by torture. But we're just saying that that's not going to happen the other way. I mean, Clearly it will. That's human nature. We, if you, Especially if you're entrenched in an ideology. Punishment es- is not going to, it's just going to reinforce it. And especially if you're talking about fundamentalists. Yeah, right. They will absolutely die for their religion. So being like, I'm going to murder you. Like, and, and there's so many examples of actual torture where the people in question were like, yeah, I told them what they wanted to know so they right. would stop torturing me. But I wasn't telling the truth. Of course. And it ended up being shitty information that just probably set everything back even more. But, right. you know, they stopped I shoving mean, bamboo shoots up my dick hole. And that's the thing that, you know, Zero Dark Thirty, which is a film that has its own problems in many ways. But one of its biggest strengths is that it dramatizes that part of torture where it's almost like not only do you get bad information from the person that you tortured if you get anything at all but then that bad information can cause you to waste time and resources tracking down a false lead that is just going to waste everyone's time and could lead to casualties or whatever kill jack bauer 
God, Bring please. 24 back for a three minute TikTok video where <laughs> Jack Bauer is killed for his crimes. And then. Oh, my God. I could deal with that. That would be fun. Yeah, I'd be into it. But beyond that, stop it. The yes. time has passed. We cannot bring back Jack Bauer in 2022. Don't be fucking no. silly. I mean, the bright side is no one would watch it. Like, I, I don't right. remember the last time I watched a well, Fox show. The Honestly, I would say the biggest problem to bringing back 24 in the modern television landscape is that literally the only reason the show was made is because a season order of television was 24 episodes. And that is not the case anymore. Yeah. They would yeah, only get too. 12 or maybe 13 episodes. And then you're messed. Like, that's what happened with Redemption. And that's messing with your fundamental premise. Hear me out. Six four-hour episodes. Thank Look, you. I would like yeah, that green-lighted no, right now. Olivia and I are going to write I, that. I actually, now that I think about it, if you did 12 movie length episodes, I'm not even kidding. Like that might be what they would pitch. I mean, that's that's what a lot of these shows are now. That Inventing Anna show is 10 hour and a half episodes. Right. And that would be a film franchise. Yeah. Maniacs. And that would equal 24, 41 minute episodes. But also don't do that. No, bad, 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 bad. Just uh, kill Jack Bauer. That's my idea. We have written the final season of 24. It's three minutes long. Jack Bauer is is murdered for his crimes. Executed, sorry. I do think uh, Disney owns Jack Bauer. It's one of the many bizarre things that Disney now owns (laughs) is Jack Bauer. Oh, no. Uh, um, So I think that's going to prevent it. I don't think Disney's going to want to make 24. There are active talks since late 2021 about bringing 24 back. I mean, look, I've been wrong about lots of stuff, so maybe they will. uh, But we'll see. We'll see how if it goes through. Yeah, it depends on who we invade next. Like, I'm surprised there hasn't been a 24 in Venezuela. Like, yeah, or Ukraine. Try to make that work, like because there was that Jack Ryan series in Venezuela, and it's like right. I remember you that. Really that was thought we were going to be at war with Venezuela by now, huh? That was crazy, and yeah, I guess the next one would be Jack Jack Bauer in Ukraine. Yeah, uh, yeah. or Russia. They did Russia already once, I think. Yes. Yeah, he's been he's been all over the place. Yes, he's a world world spanning guy. I think that's a good place to end this episode. Yes, absolutely. We're all up in arms about 24 coming back. Here's hoping it doesn't. No, it won't. Just to drive home the fact that it shouldn't, on next week's bonus episode, we're just going to recap the sole attempt to make a 24 movie. Yes. Which was 24 Redemption. It's a television movie that was the prequel to season seven of 24. Yeah. And uh, it's not good. It's bad. No, no, bad. It's not good. I, but, it was a very bad episode of television, I would say. Two episodes, really. the podcast about it will be very fun. No, it'll be great. promise you that. Until you then, it? do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Olivia, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Hi There, Hi Dar. Uh, oh, I guess I should log 24 Redemption. I hadn't even considered I don't know that. why you wouldn't. It's a TV movie, so I guess I will. So we'll uh, one star, I would say. <laughs> Bad. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Todd Brown. That's Todd with one D. And I think that's it for now. Let's get the fuck out of here. Olivia, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs>